Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. Press that record button. Was, Let's go. James, I was telling Adam that you requested, you know, we were a little nervous that you might not, you might stand us up again. So I, I just said, Adam, breathe easy, rest easy, because he requested a link to his email because he's going to be on his computer, which means unless he's a complete psychopath, he's going to be stationary, which, you know, it's quite rare to get a stationary Jimmy. Yeah. And I mean, I've got the, uh, got the mic. I've got this camera that Selkirk sent me. God, so you, just, I'm, you just look I'm good too. Well, hey, I mean, when you have a show called the James Ignatowicz show, you have to be prepared with equipment. And obviously you are James. The hair is very much prepared as well. I like that. As yeah. I always, as I always tell James about the title of the show, subtle. Subtle. <laughs> 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 there you go. What, uh, Jimmy, what are you drinking there? Oh, um, coffee. Oh, it's coffee. Okay, it, gotcha. But out of like the jug, you're supposed to pour that in the cup, right? You just go straight from the, just straight from the jug to the dome. If you're soft, you put it in the cup. <laughs> if you're soft, yeah, if you're soft. <laughs> uh, Jimbo, you had a big weekend this past weekend, and uh, you know it was very exciting stuff. Uh, your first, I believe, is your first two PPA titles, one in singles, one in mixed. Uh, how have you, have you celebrated this past week? More pickle? Yeah. I mean, I'm actually playing a little less pickle than I used to. Um, it's already starting. Like, You're burnt out. Well, no, I mean, it's just, <laughs> just, I think it makes more sense to do like once a day, maybe twice a day, and then spend a lot more time in the gym. Um, so I'm doing that. Like I'm focused on like recovery. I don't want to get hurt. Uh, so I'm like foam rolling twice a day, stretching twice a day, um, going to the gym sometimes twice a day, kind of just doing more of that stuff. Um, cause it's doing talk- things, things to not get quad cramps, correct? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't be getting quad cramps indoors in Minnesota, you know, it's not a good look. And then the next day, <laughs> you know, you go out there and you get rocked by Rob Nunnery and men's dubs. <laughs> You had a long day. It's, it's understandable. As far as I'm concerned, everything you just described, James, is cramping weather. Indoors, <laughs> Minnesota, 60 degrees. That's when you least expect it, Jim. So that's when you it's have to be really prepared for the cramps. Yes. Yeah. So that wasn't good. But uh, other than that, it's been good. I mean, you know, Catherine played so well. She just absolutely uh, – I mean, I, I don't think I've played mixed with somebody that played that well throughout the entire course of a tournament. Like it really showed me, I think a big part of mixed is just having the the female partner that plays better. Um, I think you guys might've talked about that on the podcast, like why yeah. an MLP having good women is so important because that might be the, the you know, most important thing about mixed. No, I think, I, I think it is the most important part about mixed. I think when you usually look at, when you, you, well, yeah, when you usually look at mixed results, it's, it comes down to which, which lady perform better. Typically, um, you know, oft, there's obviously times where the, the guy's going to, you know, shit the bed and overplay and try to do too much uh, to overcompensate. But it typically does come down to that, you know, which female is steadier and handles it. What okay. do you think about hey. what do you think about this, James? Uh, so sorry, Adam. Just, no, I, I got to go. do it just because it's it's we need to talk about Selkirk because, you know, James and I are rocking the Selkirk. But as is as is as is Catherine now and. 
Adam and I were talking about this yesterday. It's like her playing with the power air seems to have made a pretty significant difference in, uh, in, in her play. It seems like she's got more pop and more power, especially at the kitchen and counters. Uh, have you noticed anything around that? Definitely. Um, when she switched to that paddle, I mean, everybody had already talked about when she used the paddle tech and she's got great defense, great, you know, she's great at thinking all that, but she's, her hands aren't the fastest and she doesn't have the most power. And I think if you use a paddle that's got a lot more pop, like the power air, it kind of, it can do two things, right? It's going to give you more power on your counters. And if you don't have the fastest hands, it can kind of, kind of mask that. Like if you've, if you've got some really hard counters, um, you don't need a hand battle. The hand battle's yeah. over. And I, I was honestly a little concerned when, when she switched to that paddle, I thought maybe it, it affected her defense or, you know, in transition, how easy is it going to be for her to get to the kitchen? But She's got to the, you know, fun fact, I saw this on Instagram yesterday. In our final against Lauren and Julian, she made 18 out of 18 third shot drops. So she's not, not missing. She hasn't lost the feel with it, which that's, that honestly, that's the most impressive thing when I was watching. I was just like, man, it's her, her, her touch and feels just as good as it was with the paddle tech, which is super impressive. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I mean, she's a, I mean, she's about as big of a veteran as you get uh, either gender. So let's be clear. I don't think that her skill has just dramatically risen, maybe a little bit. Uh, and I know she's working with the trainer a little bit more, so that could have something to do with it. But I mean, if you narrow it down and you think about how long she's been playing, how serious she's been for this long, uh, I think you have to give a little bit of credit to the paddle switch and, and her getting comfortable with that as, as that ball is coming off uh, her counter attacks with a little more life to it. So it uh, makes perfect sense what you guys are talking about. And uh, I have one little fun fact here, guys, since we were just talking about mixed, uh, we talked about the dominant guy and then often how, uh, you know, the guy can take over sometimes, but often it falls to the woman and how solid she is to get the results. I'll ask each of you this question. What percentage of the balls hit in the entire all of mixed doubles in the Columbus MLP, meaning the last MLP of last year, what do you think the percentage of balls hit was men versus women in the whole tournament? You go first, Jimmy. Um, maybe 60% for the women. Okay. Rob? Uh, bup, 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 bup. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a reasonable number. I'll go I'll – go. I'll go 69%. It was uh, <laughs> James liked that one. Clever. Clever, Rob. Just uh, thank you. High end comedy here uh, on the It Feels Right podcast. The answer is 51% for the women. Yeah. So it's much tighter. I, I guessed the same thing. It was the real clear stats. Shout out to them. Uh, real clear stats, Ben. He, I said the same thing. I said like, 58 or 60 percent it was it was basically even so just a little fun fact uh some stats yeah. are creeping into the game so i wanted to share that with you guys uh you guys continue you guys were having a lovely conversation no so so i was talking uh we were talking yesterday james and i think we're just gonna we're just gonna have like you're gonna just co-host with us right now like we're gonna talk we're gonna do a podcast like we typically would and you're just gonna be chilling and then you can chime in uh, we obviously, I mean, we'll talk about the weekend and you had a big weekend. So we'll obviously want some insight on, on some of the draws and some of the matches that you played. But if you're cool with that, are you cool just hanging and we'll just, we'll just roll with the pod like we typically would and 
you say whatever the hell comes to your brain? I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> well, Welcome. Okay. This is your, this is our first co-host episode. You're, exactly. You should be honored. Yes, you yeah, should. Pressure, and, pressure. and Rob, you made a great point. It was a big weekend for, uh, for Jimmy. I made yeah. that same point a few minutes ago. But first off, we're going to talk a little bit about men's doubles. So oh. we have we have Jimmy here, <laughs> one of the one of the most uh, up and coming players, strong left side, strapping young lad, six three, lots of power in his paddle, matching up with what could be considered the best right side player in all of pickleball. Things you guys grabbed that number two seed. Things are looking strong, and you just ran into a buzzsaw in the first round. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that, <laughs> James Ignatovich. Tell us a little bit about that first round matchup. Yeah, I mean, I was. It was definitely uh, a letdown because <laughs> you know, the finals of singles, you get to the finals of mixed. Um, let me give you my first excuse before I get into. This. Please, do, please <laughs> give us as many as you would like. So. Basically, we, we started mixed at like 2 p.m. And then finished mixed at like 10 p.m. I'm cramping at 10. I've got to get electrolytes in me, mustard in me. Um, I get back to the, to the hotel at like 11 after going to Walgreens and CVS. I already usually go to sleep at like 10. So then I, I get back and I'm still kind of cramping. I had to take like a, like a hot shower and watch all my highlights over and over again. <laughs> and then anyway, so now I'm, I'm sleeping at like, I got to bed at like three and um, it just, I think it carried over into the next day. Like my game is all about energy. Like I'm all about energy and effort. I'm just so like, you know, trying to be as, be as hyped up as I can. Um, Cause that's just how I play my best. And I played horribly on Saturday. Like Colin played, you know, maybe not up to his highest standard, but uh, people were coming up to me during the tournament like, man, the only time you lost this whole weekend was with Colin. He must suck. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually not, that's not what happened. You know, I played horribly all day. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think men's is different though, obviously. My skill set right now is, you know, obviously in tennis, you start with singles. Then you come in, you get good at mix. Now I think I'm, I think honestly, I think I'm one of the top five mixed players. And then in men's doubles, it's like, well, I still need some more time just to kind of dial in my decision making, um, kind of lock in the transition zone and, and make, make sure all my dinks bounce if they have to. There's just more, there's more two men's. And that's why I like it the best. So it was unfortunate that I ran into a team that just absolutely blew through us you know, physically and mentally first round and, and just, you know, <laughs> just took over the whole court. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened. Right, that was a great little, uh, synopsis there and pro tip number one for you, James, if you're cramping up, don't take a hot shower. Oh, take, see. take a cold shower. There you go. I know yeah. it hurts and it's painful, but you got to go cold. You don't go hot when you're cramping up. Uh, so there's a little pro tip for you from uh, one of the most profound crampers in the history of pickleball. And I'll, I'll tell you, James, you know, from my perspective, I thought you played great that match. There's just not much, <laughs> there's not much you could have done. Just not much you could have done. Just for every all the listeners who don't know, uh, James played Rob and Julian Arnold first round. And uh, we won't talk about Rob and Julian Arnold second round. We'll just keep focused on this first round as it was uh, an electric first round matchup. So. Um, 
<laughs> James, the the end. It's over. The end. <laughs> There's nothing else to say, James. The and end. I love and I love how he uh, I love how he talked about how he he had to he had to rewatch his highlights. Uh, Rob, you have a pretty funny story about how you saw you saw Jimmy in the airport. Uh, also checking out some highlights. Tell us about that, Rob, please. Yeah. Where did I see you? Was it Fort Lauderdale? We were flying from Fort Lauderdale to uh, Mesa to yes. for MLP, yeah. I believe. And I saw him, I saw him before, like, like it was literally like we're at the gate, they're calling boarding now. And James is like freaking out because he wants to charge his phone. So he has more juice. I'm like, we're boarding now, but he's like on the search to plug in his phone to get a little bit more juice for the flight. So anyway, I thought I found that interesting that we're boarding and he's running off somewhere else to try to charge his phone. <laughs> I don't know how much charger to get in those four minutes, but Hey, maybe you have a supercharger, but anyways, get on the, get on the flight. Um, we're flying spirit. God save us. Um, but you know, to, to both of our credits, we got the, the bigger front seats and, uh, I'm sitting, I'm sitting aisle and thinking row two, James is sitting aisle in row two. And I like, I, I notice him right when he boards and I just kind of, you know, just, he's just like a fun person to watch in the wild. So I'm just like, you know, kind of <laughs> stealing glances over at him and, and he has no idea I'm right there. And I'm literally probably you know 24 inches away from him <laughs> and he's just so engrossed in his phone just watch and i'm like what is he watching is it like is it ozark is like is it what is it and it's he's just watching no he's just watching pickleball games over and over and over and it's we probably get halfway through the, this cross-country flight before he's like oh rob hey <laughs> <laughs> didn't know you were there i'm like oh i know you were pretty, you were pretty zoned, but uh, I yeah. Like, was, I like I mean, that where you're like, he's an interesting guy to watch in the wild. It's, <laughs> it's it, okay. it, it is. It's a reasonable statement. Reasonable statement for sure. Uh, okay. Now that's a, that's a lovely story to share. Uh, our viewers always like that uh, off court uh, stuff that we bring to the table. And that's a great one with old Jimmy there. So we, we, we talked about that first round men's matchup. We're going to block that out. We're going to put that past us. And I would like to talk here, James, a little bit about a couple things about your mixed doubles victory. So to set the stage, I believe at the uh, Newport Beach MLP last year that you won uh, with what, what was your team? The Texas Ranchers. That is correct. Yes. There was actually a meme made about you snubbing Anna a little bit on a hug, possibly. So just a slight meme. So I'm going to set that up here. And then after you win uh, this big mixed doubles match to go to championship Sunday, you kind of give Catherine, as you mentioned, she played great all day. You give her a nice, big, strong hug. You slowly work your way to the net. Give a little light paddle tap to your uh, uh, special friend who then charges off the court very angry. And then in your post-game interview, you just lightly put your hand on the shoulder of Liv Borski before you answer her questions. Tell me a little bit about that sequence of events, Jimmy. You know, I think it's, I got to blame it on the cramping. I was just delirious. You know, the, uh, before I answer this question, I want to shout out, uh, this is my shirt here. Oh, I didn't even see that. In a bright underscore pickleball. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's my shirt. So her mom actually has this uh, this company that makes like merchandise. So I want to shout them out. It's Anna Bright Merchandise. A little bit of James Ignatowicz merchandise. 
Um, it's called picklepeacock.com because her mom like loves peacocks. Um, Fair. Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> Where uh, am I? Uh, there really wasn't a question. I kind of just uh, threw out a bunch of information, and I was going to see how you react to it. It was James. a great non-answer. Yeah, it was a great, great non-answer. It was a great non-answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was the mustard. It went to your head, right? I mean, I the mustard so. and the electrolytes. I don't even remember what happened. There you go. I think that's actually probably the perfect answer. Uh, and it's so probably there, true, there, too. There you go. There you go. <laughs> So t- uh, I do, as we're on that, okay, interview people, people like your interviews, post, post-match post interviews. They seem to be a big hit. Big Papa Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Daddy's home. He's home. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, uh, I don't really know. Monkey's where- off your back. You do know. You do know. Tell us. Yeah. I mean, the monkey was off my back because I never had made a PPA championship Sunday ever. And that was a big monkey on my back in singles because I knew I should have at that point, right? Like I kept getting so many soft draws, kept getting Jay in the semis. It's like, you got to, <laughs> you got to get in the finals. <laughs> Grant Bond, Grant Bond first round. Yeah. Like, I mean, last tournament I played Brandon French in like the quarters or, or like, you know, second round. It's like, they want me to get there. Got to capitalize. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to the final, so the monkey was off my back. And then I got to the mixed final, and daddy was home. And uh, that's that's pretty much what happened. I don't really know where that came from, but I think it – I don't know. I was excited. I I never thought that I would get to the final. I also never thought that I would beat that team. I mean – Can I tell you how I translated it? Go ahead, Robert. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I was so I, I looked at it more of a like a like a competition between between you and Anna and it felt like she was kind of the head of the household at this point in terms of results and then once you got a better result you said daddy's home because you're you're yeah you're the man of the house again <laughs> well I mean it's it's we're not in the same you know she started playing pro way earlier than me she took it a lot more serious right off the bat like we're kind of in different, uh, different curves of improvement. So like, you know, I think, I think I was okay with losing to her in the beginning and like losing to her all the time. But, um, I think as I kind of continue to get better, I think, I think our curves of improvement are going to be much different, especially in mix. And I think it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be different. I think I'm going to be, I think I honestly think I'm going to be top three in mixed um, towards the middle of this year. Um, I think I'm better at mixed than JW right now. Uh, beat him the last two times and I take more court yeah. and I, you know, I think we're pretty even in hands. He's got really fast hands, but I think we're even in hands because I'm, my counters are way harder. And I think size has a big size is a big deal there. Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm going to be top three in mixed and then I think I might end up being, being better. So men's, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't know even what if I'm top 15 right now because I just lost with Colin uh, to a great team first round. <laughs> <laughs> well, like men's, men's, I don't know. Got outplayed. Yeah. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I definitely think I'm oh, I love it. See, that, that's gold right there. I mean, that's the answer that we need. That's, that's real stuff. Uh, a little 
How, slight tossing of JW under the bus, which is always enjoyable on the It Feel Dry podcast. Great answer. I know you said that you don't feel like um, you played well in men's. Um, honest assessment of Colin without without playing with his brother. Yeah, I think Colin um, he usually counters better when he plays with Ben. I think his he was um, with me. He wasn't countering as well, so I don't know if he was maybe a little less engaged because I was playing so bad and he was used to the, the attacks were better to be honest, but yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another thing. He's going against Rob Nunnery's attacks. It's like, nobody knows where they're going. And, um, it's just a legend at, at, at his apex. <laughs> Drop apex. I like it. Okay. Yeah, you, like just, you just don't know what to do. But, um, Colin is, it's interesting. Cause if I played with Dylan, and we played you guys, even if I wasn't playing my best, I think, I think we would have picked each other up and I think we could have won. Uh, but I think Colin is, it depends. Like with Colin, you've got to play really well because he's not going to miss and, but he's also not going to take over a match. And Dylan is a guy who on the right side could actually do a lot of damage. Obviously. Just, just offensively, you mean, because Colin, I don't, I don't just thinking back, I don't know if he, I don't know if he sped up more than, you know, one or two times the whole match. Yeah. And Dylan's also a lot more manipulative with his dinks. Yes. Like Colin's not going to miss a dink, but he's not going to get you out of neutral. And Dylan is always making, I mean, he's creating pop-ups. He's, you know, he's speed up and then dinking hard cross. Like he's he's doing a lot more. So right side, Uh, strong side, Dylan, Dylan can actually play a right side, strong side. Not many people can do that as right handers. So uh, I agree completely. Yeah. So I, I mean, Colin is perfect for Ben. And I think if I played well, I mean, I think we would have made the final. Like, I just, I didn't play well. And we had the perfect draw to do it. I mean, yeah. the whole weekend, it's like the PPA, they wanted this to be my breakout weekend. <laughs> like, like I said, James, I, 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 feel, I feel like you probably played your best on men's day, but, you know, you just, <laughs> there's not much to do. <laughs> Bad job. Um, <laughs> and, and, and let's be clear, I, I think that, I think it's it's tough for Colin because, you know, there's a lot of buzz about is it just his brother carrying to these victories? How good actually is Colin? He's obviously nice in his role in that partnership, but how does that transition to other partners? So I think it's a tough spot for Colin and probably a little bit of pressure. Uh, the few times that he gets to play men's doubles without his brother, I, I think I was telling Rob the other day, it's a similar situation to – I had some decent results with Deckel at the end of 2021. And that was kind of the thing with me is there was a little bit of, of discussion it is, is Adam the rock that's really helping them get victories or is Deckel just going beast mode and Adam's the beneficiary of, of, of Deckel going crazy. So I think it is a little dicey to know uh, with those right side, left side uh, situations. And I, I would imagine that that Colin felt a little bit of pressure to have some results uh, with one of the few tournaments he has without Ben. So just wanted to mention that as I kind of understand uh, the situation that he's in a little bit. One thing, though, is that, I mean, we did see Colin get to the finals of San Clemente with, with AJ. Like, Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I well, watched. Yeah. Well, Colin, Colin and myself, the very first PPA got to the gold medal match. We got silver, ended up losing to... Colin's brother and, and Matt Wright. But uh, so Colin has had some sprinkled in results uh, with other players, even though mine and his and my result was quite a while ago. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I hear you. 
That was my first ever tournament, by the way, Adam. When I saw when I saw you guys play, that was that was the first PPA ever. First PPA ever. It was in Mesa. Mesa, yeah, right, yeah. And uh, left side Adam, a little left side Adam, no big deal. Hey, well, when you're as versatile as a player as you are, it doesn't matter what side you're on. Uh, Well, I appreciate that, Rob, but uh, I'm not sure I have much versatility anymore. (laughs) Going into my match um, against. Rob and uh, and Julian, uh, me and Colin were kind of assuming that Rob would be on the right the whole time, and uh, and Julian would be on the left the whole time, and then they're just playing straight up against us. It's like it's just yeah. disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like it was just who cares? Like we'll play both sides. It's fine. Yeah, they don't need to unwind against us. They just want to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, I, just, I, let's just I tell you what. You, all you got to do is mess with Colin's algorithm. Like if you mess with his algorithm, no, it's he very true. It, he it's gets he true. gets this structure and this pattern that he thinks is going to happen, and you could just roll out there and play straight up instead of stacked, and it, it throws him off. All you got to do is dink up the line like three times in a row, and Colin starts twitching. <laughs> he, he he can't handle it. So <laughs> his algorithm and his structure is very important. Uh, so if you throw that off a little bit, sometimes he does get rattled. <laughs> but I don't want to. The one thing I will say is I don't want to. I don't want to throw Colin under the bus because. I played like crap all weekend, but he was super nice all weekend. Like great partner. Right. I heard some things going in that he was like, you know, he can get down on his partners. Um, I guess like his mixed partners or something, but mm-hmm. he was really supportive, uh, giving good advice. Well, when and, you play terrible, you have to, you have to do something right. I did. I tried to do something right. I, no, I I'm talking about, about Colin. Colin. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I think he, but he was nice, and it was. I had a good experience. I, I had a great experience with Colin, so I just want to say that. So, yeah. would you play with him again? Yes, we're going to play again. We're playing again in Nashville. God, I'm uh, going to play Nashville now. I'm Nashville. <laughs> no, I, just, I, just need a, I just need a guaranteed W, so I'm in. Give us a chance. I'm in. Oh no, Colin's kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, Colin's kryptonite. Okay, let's uh, let's actually. Let's go ahead and just take a look at some of the results from the mixed. Uh, So we had uh, uh, James, you and and Catherine actually in the quarterfinals, probably one of the toughest uh, matchups in the quarters. No. Yes. uh, uh, The Johnsons who made it to championship Sunday, Georgia and JW, the previous uh, PPA tournament. And you guys were able to uh, to beat them 11, seven in the third. Tell us a little bit about that match, because that is a crazy quarterfinal uh, uh, given the talent on the court there. Yeah. I mean, I think against that team, it's pretty clear that, well, you can go both ways. Like I've like me and Lindsay beat them when I was on the right, because you can kind of just make Georgia hit a lot of balls. And, um, basically that's our, that's our strategy. And Catherine is such a, like such a good forehand cross court dinker and Georgia's not obviously. Yeah. That's her biggest weakness easily. Yeah, so the only way George is going to get out of that pattern is if she speeds it up at me, and that's not going to work. So especially when I'm like sitting there waiting, and um, that kind of happened a lot. I mean, in the beginning, um, we got off to a bad start. I mean, Catherine didn't play her best game the first game, and, and neither did I. And then we kind of just said, okay, we're just going to go cross court, and Catherine's not Catherine. I don't think sped up one ball. She didn't go behind Jade up one time. We just went cross to Georgia and. She tried to speed it up at me and I was on it and um, that was pretty much it. I mean, I didn't do too much. I hit a few counters and just kind of um, won in some hands and, and that was 
that was pretty much it. I mean, Catherine was just a rock, absolute rock. Yeah, just grinded the game plan is what it sounded like. And 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 you mentioned it uh, a couple minutes ago when you said JW doesn't take as much court as you and some of the other players. So it's less of an issue for Catherine to have to go behind him. So why not just stick to the game plan, completely grind it out? And that's what happened after you guys lost that first game 11-4, uh, pretty solid 7-7 seven and seven in games 2 and 3 to take that win. And the other thing, too, is like um, I think – well, I mean, many, many women that have said this too, and I think they're right. It's, um, I think I'm less attackable in a mixed context than JW is because you can go behind JW to his backhand yes, and yeah. he's not gonna give you the biggest counter. But me here, I have the hardest backhand here. Um, nobody hits it harder than me. Like, do you, just the truth. Do you always hit it cross court, James? Yes. You do. Yes, <laughs> yes, I love. Yes. I didn't even try to tiptoe around it. Yes, I do. Yes, because I not do. only does he have the hardest counter, he's in front of it every time. That's right. I can't. <laughs> I don't know how to hit it cross. How to hit it line. Like, My hands are too fast. I'm in front of every speed up. I don't know how. That's what <laughs> but, it is. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> but, but but you're exactly right though. JW and Colin's brother. That's the spot. Is high left shoulder because they don't counter. They, 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 you well, can catch sitting, them there and then yeah. they block. They both have that little slice block thing that, that, that they do. Cause it's uh, so and, heavy Eastern on the, right. The, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's probably player players that their total package is a little bit less, lesser than, than, than JW and Colin's brother, but they're also less attackable up at that left shoulder. So, um, yeah, totally agree with you. And that's some good insight from the soon to be, top three mixed player in the game. I think one thing you mentioned, James, um, with Catherine not speeding up one time to JW and just staying cross court in the pattern that you, that you want. Like I, yeah, for like the amateurs listening, I think there's a lot of times in pro matches where if you actually just stayed disciplined to the game plan, that the result would be what you want. But the hardest part, in my opinion, is actually playing the right way and sticking to that game plan and just playing boring pickleball and being really disciplined because it's not always super exciting, but it gets it gets the W. Would you would you agree? Yeah, and I think um, against JW also it's a little a little different too, just because he's not going to make her go line and like he never you know she didn't speed up, but she also didn't have to keep him honest because yeah, he wasn't any more court. Like if, if the girl's not sped up at me one time, I'm going to start to inch over to the right, inch over to the right a little more. But um, JW doesn't really do that. So you don't have to keep him honest. Yep. He's got, I mean, I just don't understand why though. Like his crab walk forehand in the middle of the, of the court is just so damn good. Like, and I, 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 he, he's just, he just got to find a way to put some more pressure. It's not like the dude's slow. He's got, I mean, he's fine. You know, yeah. maybe his demeanor is a little slow sometimes, but his physical tools are there. He's got to find a way yeah. to be, to, to be more aggressive and mixed. So he's it's got totally, a quick first step. He's got a really yeah, quick first step. I mean, I, I've seen him just dominate little stretches and then he, he'll kind of like lay yeah. off a little bit. I'm just like, man, stay, go full force, man. I know it's not necessarily your personality type, but you got to do it. So Hopefully he gets that figured out. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, we had another quarterfinal here. And just, I mean, we, we, we got Jimmy co-hosting here, Rob. We got to get his take on some of these teams. So yeah, 100%. Uh, obviously a pretty close matchup. Uh, I would say it's probably 
not an upset, even though the seeds were two and seven. We had uh, Lucy Kovalova and Matt Wright versus Dylan Frazier and Callie Smith. Uh, Smith and Frazier caught that 8-11, 11-7, 11-8, another very serious quarterfinal matchup. Tell me a little bit about your experience with those two teams and that result, James. Yeah, I think that for me, I've had way more success in mixed against Dylan when I'm on the right side as opposed to okay. being on the right side. But I mean, Matt's not going to play the right mixed. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the reason for that, obviously, is because if anybody's weak at their high backhand, it's Dylan. I mean, yeah. he kind of redefines that entire issue, right? It's like, so for me, at least, I would I would speed up often to the high backhand and come right to the middle and you can kind of block it down mm-hmm. and then that's going to be on his right. Um, but I think for, for Matt and Lucy, losing to, D, losing to Dylan and Callie, I don't really think that's a huge upset. I think it might be upset just because Callie was not playing well the last two weeks. People had talked about that, like, she had the broken paddle or some sort of issue and it was, I mean, broken, you know, people have been talking about how that's like the paddles are breaking, but it's just giving them like a crazy amount of power. Um, so her and Jaden. Oh, de- the delamination aspect, right? Is that what they're, yeah. 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 And I think if I were to go into that, I would think Matt and Lucy would win that, but I also think Dylan can actually take a lot of court and mix when he's on the left and he can be really aggressive uh, he takes a lot more court than a guy like JW and such an aggressive dinker too. I think he's, I think he's a good matchup for that team. And mm-hmm. I mean, Callie, if she can make dinks and she can stay solid, then I think Dylan could beat that team with, with Callie just cause she's so tough to attack. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I, no, I think, I think that's a good assessment and yeah, let's be clear. Uh, Dylan did not play tennis. So he has pretty dang good strokes for not playing tennis, but he does have some funky stuff uh, with with that backhand up in the shoulder and face area. So that, that makes a lot of sense that you can catch him at a certain spot, uh, even though he does kind of kind of cover here pretty well for the most part. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that that's an interesting uh, matchup for sure. And I think you're right about Cali. Uh, the the athleticism, the power, and the counterattacking is all very good, but sometimes the consistent soft stuff and also creating the offense can be an issue for her. So uh, I think that that was also a good assessment on her game as well, but she definitely has some crazy physical gifts, but definitely not necessarily known for being a total rock out there. So uh, that, that, that does make sense in that particular matchup. But uh, also a- after... After Smith and Frazier uh, defeat uh, Matt and Lucy, they end up losing nine and two, which is certainly not a blowout, but a pretty, pretty uh, solid win for Julian uh, Arnold and Lauren Stratman. I was a little bit, maybe not surprised by the result, but by the score for sure. Me too. I mean, I didn't think that Lauren was playing that well. I didn't mm-hmm. think that she was really, um, when I saw that Julian was playing with Lauren, I, I kind of didn't really know what to expect. Um, but Lauren's playing pretty well and she is, as we know, she's such a great forehand cross court dinker. Um, mm-hmm. she's got like the smoothest forehand cross court technique outside of Adam stone that I've probably seen, you know, it's, it, it looks really good and she's, she's really tough to kind of, it's tough to poach those and cut them off. Um, but Julian's a guy also where he takes so much court and he's so aggressive and he plays so crazy that if things are working, he could win with almost anybody. Yeah. And not that, not, not that Lauren didn't play well, but Julian's a guy where I think he might have the 
so hands hands battles in mixed are a little different than they are in men's because it's obviously in mixed you're leaning you're covering so much court so if you have a strong two-handed backhand i think it gives you an advantage in hands battles in mixed because the balls are going all over the place and you're responsible for covering way more court so like dylan's great at his body and he's really good here but the farther that he gets away from his body the worse he gets but a guy like me or julian the farther it actually gets stronger so julian's really good on the wings kind of like a girl like girls are a lot better on their wings just like me and uh dylan's not so i think in men's if they're straight up in front of each other dylan's going to have that advantage in hands but in mixed i haven't really i think dylan will tell you i mean i'm, I'm annihilating dylan in hands and mixed every time i play him um straight up because i'm just i got i have way more like um just surface area that I can give a hard counter to yeah, like all the way across my whole wingspan. And I think Julian's actually the same way. So when it comes down to it, I think having the two handed backhand as a guy in mix, um, it can help a lot in, in those situations. Yeah, that was that was a very, very good breakdown, James. I think you're absolutely right. I always kind of clump uh, Dylan and AJ together where they're very good at the shoulders and the face, but exactly right. You get them extended away and they just don't have that like tennis technique power where they have those great powerful strokes into space and at the full extension. So obviously in, in men's doubles, you're not attacking space very much at all and you're more in your area. So covering your body and your shoulders and, and your chest is super important. Whereas mixed, the guy is not getting attacked into the body very frequently. It's more in space. So I think that that's a very good analysis of the situation, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and so so we have exactly right. So we had Stratton and Arnold winning 9-2, and two, and then you guys, uh, uh, you and Catherine played them in the finals. You had a four-game victory, ended up losing game three, 11-9, but a very comfortable 11-4, 11-5, 11-5 in the other three games. Just give us a couple little snippets about uh, some of the things that happened in the finals, James. It should have been three games. I mean, it, <laughs> it would have been three games. If it was if it was like a second round match and they told us you got to play three out of five, it would have been like 11-4, 11-5, 11-5. Um, <laughs> I think just the fact that it was championship Sunday, the third game, me and Catherine both kind of got a little tight, especially me. I got a little tight. I made some mistakes, and Julian started driving every third. Warren was driving every third. Mm -hmm. and we just – I don't know how we lost that game, but we, we shouldn't have. And uh, I think it, it mostly just came down to the fact that Catherine was um, just not missing, and she was setting me up so well, and she was winning the forehand cross-court dink battles. But there is something to be said for the fact that Catherine's got more space to dink into um, when she's playing with me because as opposed to a guy like Tyson, because I mean, we talk, well, I don't know if we should talk about this, but yes, we should. Yeah. I don't even know what you're going to say, but yes, we should go ahead. It's like, it's like if, if let's say, okay, hypothetically, if you're a girl and you're playing with a guy that's pretty attackable in a lot of ways um, and you don't want to give, you don't want to dink maybe too aggressively or too deeply because the girl that you're dinking cross court with could take something out of the air at the guy or attack the guy more. And you kind of want to watch out for that. But if you're playing with a guy who 
like, for example, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm in the category, I think, where like if the girl's thinking cross, she can think as deeply cross as she wants to. And she could even give a cross court dink to the girl that that's like this far past the kitchen, because I'll take any out of it out of the air attack from a girl. Mm-hmm. So it gives Catherine a lot of leeway to work with. And it's just more, it's more, I think it just, it makes things easier. So that was one thing. And Catherine didn't miss a single drop. I think I missed like three. I got up to the kitchen pretty well this weekend. That's the thing I'm getting better at. And uh, I think, I think one thing it came down to was that they made a lot more mistakes than us. Um, I didn't make a ton of mistakes. Catherine made virtually none. And I don't know. I didn't really do anything special. I mean, I didn't see a lot of balls. Catherine just kind of picked them apart. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense. And, and, and I think you're, you're right. Mentally too, when Catherine knows that she can leave it a couple inches high or it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. I think that gives her a little peace of mind uh, that she can dink where she needs to. If she misses her spot by a little bit, she's going to be safe. And it's almost, it's almost like a bait ball. If you have, if you have a, a Steve Deacon was one of the first players to do this where, you know, when I first came into the sport, everyone was trying to hit incredibly unattackable dinks, just really plain dinks. And Steve Deacon was one of the first players that kind of fluffed a couple up, of course, not shoulder high, but more stomach and lower chest high and kind of dared you to attack him. And he would be sitting there with the backhand. So uh, the analysis that you just made gives, uh, uh, you know, Catherine free will, free willed and free range to dink where she needs to. And if she does leave a little bit high, that's a girl attacking you on a, you know, somewhat questionable. I think all of those are good situations for you guys. So. Uh, yeah, that's that, that that's good analysis of that. And uh, yeah, obviously, besides for that slight hiccup in game three, a pretty comfortable win in that gold medal match. Super good result for Lauren and Julian to make it to championship Sunday and, uh, you know, a strong field. So. Yeah, no, d- definitely. No, good for them. A- absolutely. And OK, so let's get to uh, uh, gold medal number two here. We're going to discuss a little bit of the men's singles draw and we have to start off with this ridiculous quarterfinal between Federico Staxrud and J.W. Johnson. Let me read off these scores in case you guys didn't see. 14-12, 12-14, 11-9. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, If you were playing in that match with that kind of scoreline against that kind of competition, tell me what is kind of going through your head and when you're in such a battle of attrition and you're out there for like an hour and 45 minutes playing a dang singles match. I'll tell you what's going through my head. It's, it's don't cramp, don't throw up. <laughs> I can't handle that. I, I, uh, I think I move my feet too much and I just, I don't know. I mean, those no, the, no, no, <laughs> no. Those, those were the two best players in the tournament, I think. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how they play each other in the quarters. I mean, my quarterfinal, they gave me a guy that doesn't even know how to play the game. as like Christian Alshon or something. And it's like, they play each other in the quarters. It's, uh, I don't know. The draw was messed up. I, I was the beneficiary of it. And then in the final, JW was basically asleep. And he was, I saw that. I don't really know. I mean, I, I think that I honestly thought that that quarterfinal, whoever won that quarterfinal was going to win the tournament. I thought that mm-hmm. was basically final. And, um, yeah, it didn't end up that way. So, I kind of got lucky, honestly. But singles, 
it's like I said it after the singles final yeah. in the interview. I was like, I don't really care. I, I only care about the mix final. I don't think singles is even really, I think, I think it'd be great if singles kind of started to get phased out of pro pickleball. If it was kind of like maybe 10 events per year, eight events per year. And that's yeah. coming from me. Yeah. I'm one of the best singles players. Yeah. I make money in singles and I don't want to do it. I, I think it's not, it's not, the, it's not real pickleball. So. No, it's, I, I totally agree. That's a, it's an interesting point because it's been talked about a fair amount. Um, like, so I think the argument for singles is that like, if a, if a casual viewer that doesn't know pickleball kind of watches it on, on TV or a stream, that it's the most relatable thing. Cause you know, if, if you've watched tennis before, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's not real. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. Like I, I, it's more of just, you know, who can last the longest, right? You know, you, you did a great job because I don't think you dropped a game, right? So if you have, if you have some of those 14, 12, 12, 14, 11, nine score lines, maybe, you know, maybe you don't get to the final. So it's, it seems to be, you know, you're playing singles and, and it's all in one day, right? Which is also unique. You're playing an entire tournament in one day singles. So, you know, when you have 20 plus events on the year, it just, it just, takes it out of you. And it's, it's gonna, you know, it's just not sustainable to play all three events like that, especially when you're going deep. Yeah. And I, I think for me, I, I mean, I kind of broke in in singles as well, uh, believe it or not, given uh, my body type, uh, but, <laughs> 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 but for, for me, it was uh, obviously when you're having, you're not having as much success in doubles, you're not in the early part of your career and you don't have maybe the partners you should have. Singles is really important, but once you kind of get established with some partners, you're making deeper runs, playing minimum four or five matches on the doubles day, uh, it becomes less important. And for me, I had a pretty long tennis career, not near as good as a lot of these players out here, but I've played tennis forever. I've competed for myself most of my life. I don't care about myself. I want to compete with a partner. I want to do well for them. Of course, I want to do well for myself too. But for me, mentally, it's so much more enjoyable that I can have a back and forth with a partner, get pumped up with my partner out there by myself. Mentally, I'm just like, screw this, da, 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 da. So it not only wears you down physically, it wears you down mentally in my, in my opinion, especially with how strenuous these schedules are as we move forward in the sport. So that's my take on singles. Yeah. I mean, I also think like I look back at my tournaments that I've played and um, I've played for like about a year exactly in, in pro and all of my most memorable tournaments have been in doubles, even though I have way more success in singles. Like I've got two singles golds, one APP, one PPA. And in terms of like how memorable they were and how meaningful they were to me, they're maybe, maybe in the top 10. I mean, yeah. maybe not. Right. And I, and I look back at the ones that like if my pickleball career ended right now, the stuff that matters the most to me, the stuff I look back, I'm like, wow, that was just like one of the best weekends of my life um, or best tournaments. Like, you know, just meant so much to me. It's this past one mixed with Catherine, not the singles, but the mix with Catherine and like my bronze and men's doubles with Steve Deacon. That was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, just like going through a whole tournament, winning six matches or five matches, whatever it is, you know, fighting through it with somebody else. You have to rely on them. They have to rely on you. Right. Like, right. It's really like a meaningful thing and it's cool. And it's and singles is not that. It's just it's the same thing that we've all done our whole lives. 
in tennis, which is right. just, you know, you go out there and you try to focus and, and it's not the same. I mean, doubles for me has been super cool. And like, yes, I mean, I've never had more fun playing pickleball than I did on Saturday with Catherine. I mean, that was like the most, uh, just such a meaningful thing. It was so awesome. So, yeah. And I mean, you, and you said she played like a rock all day and that's just very rare in, in paddle racket sports in general to play well for an entire day for multiple matches. So like you just mentioned, James, just not playing your best, having your partner pick you up one match, him not, or her not playing her best, you picking her up and that back and forth and that camaraderie that hanging out in between matches, uh, uh, chatting a little bit about your next opponent, all that stuff is just a much more enjoyable experience uh, than, you know, grinding it out in singles, trying not to cramp, making sure you get your electrolytes, your food, uh, whatever. It's completely different. And uh, just, I think we made that point very clear with, with our, with our statements. uh, And and that's just how it is. So talking about like camaraderie and supporting, you know, teammates and partners and stuff like that. So I, I said it a lot and I'll say it again. I think I, I don't necessarily think that pro pickleball is going and this is talking kind of macro landscape of pro pickleball. I don't necessarily think that we should follow kind of the tennis model and have have full time pro tours. Like I think I, I like MLP format. I like the team based atmosphere. I think it's easily you know the best product. I mean, I remember um, being in Mesa, watching the fives, watching you guys play. Um, I think it was the hustlers in that, in that matchup. And dude, there's, there's been no better environment or atmosphere in pickleball to date, in my opinion, other than that type of atmosphere. And I don't think having more, more events and team-based matches like that necessarily waters it down. I don't think, I don't think it's, you know, that was the big question initially, right? We started off with one MLP in 2021 and now we moved to six events and I don't think having more MLP events waters down the atmosphere, makes it, makes it less exciting. Uh, do you have a take on, on should pickleball do what it's currently doing and follow in kind of the, the pro tennis footsteps of having, having these tours, having, you know, 20 plus tournaments a year and then sprinkling in some MLPs, or would you be open to flipping it on its head and, you know, having it be a more pro sports team-based league that's more of the full-time with tournaments sprinkled in the second one for sure i mean i think it's it's almost kind of lazy right to just say oh pickleball is just going to be like tennis or golf and because a lot of people came in from tennis you might think well that's the most easily digestible way for this to go like it's easy for people to understand and you know you've got all the amateurs signing up for the tournaments Um, and they want to sign up for their own tournaments and play. So maybe that's a source of income, right? You go to these PPAs and there's 900 amateurs signed up and that's a big deal for, for income. But in terms of like a product that people want to watch, it's not even close. Um, I don't even know. It's like beating a dead horse at this point. It's, it's not even close. There should be, oh, maybe, I think maybe at least 12 MLPs per year. And then outside of that, you've got some fun singles, maybe in some of the tournaments, you can do whatever you want to do outside of that. But I think there should be at least 12 MLPs per year. And are there going to be allegiances to certain teams based on geographical location? Probably not. Right. Like, I don't know if maybe the, 
the Bay Area, whatever, like uh, people in San Francisco are going to think that that's cool. Like, I think that's not going to really happen in the near future. But if we want to do what I think is the, the next step for pro pickleball, which is just create a really compelling, fun piece of content that people are going to want to watch and people are going to want to bet on, it's definitely Major League Pickleball. It's definitely not Ben Johns and Colin Johns winning every time, Anna Lee winning every time. That's not good for betting, by the way. No, agreed. Like, oh, Anna Lee in the singles final, she's she's minus 2,000. Like, oh, that's great. Like, <laughs> you, could bet, you, you could bet $1,000 to make $2. Sick. <laughs> yeah. But every single MLP, back, uh, MLP match, you can bet on. Because even the biggest MLP favorite versus the like the worst team in the Premier League, any team you never, can you never know, right? Anything can happen, and that's that's super cool. And um, I think the rally scoring element helps too. I know a lot of people hate rally scoring, but I think it's I think it's better for TV. Um, and I'm new; I'm only playing for a year, so I'm not as attached to the side out scoring as a lot of other people are. But I think. MLP as it is right now, I don't even think it has to be changed. It just has to be promoted more. There needs to be more of them. Yes. Agreed. And yeah, my, my take on rally versus traditional, I think I enjoy playing traditional side out scoring more. I like kind of, you know, I compared a little bit to like no ad score, you know, deuce versus no ad scoring in, in tennis. Um, I like that, you know, the battle of the wills, uh, going back and forth and grinding mentally of, of, you know, trying to score on your serve. But at the same time, I, I agree with you. I think in terms of if we're talking business and we're talking, you know, the best product to, to, you know, get gambling going to, to create good lines, to create steady, you know, timeframes rally is probably the way to go. But as a player, I prefer side out, but I, I do understand that we're probably moving to rally. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'll just, uh, touch on what you guys talked about any format where the number one singles female can put herself on a lineup to play the number two singles male have a chance in that matchup beat him in a point smacking her chest charging towards the net that is that's what people want to see and some people might have thought that was too much but that's what people want to see that's a great dynamic that is what people want to watch. And as James said, the most important thing in all the pickleball, that's what people want to gamble on. Gamble, gamble, gamble. That's Dude. what takes it to the next level because everyone has a little degenerate in them. That is a fact. When gambling comes in, dude, like we're not going to see, we're not going to see, you know, 3.4 K on Jimmy's mixed double final. We're going to see, we're going to see 125.3 K <laughs> final. And that's a bit, that's like, I don't think like it can't be, it can't be understated. Like it's going to be such a big deal when that comes in because it's going to elevate everything. It's going to be more money. It's going to, you know, players, players, personal brands are going to skyrocket. Everything's going to change once gambling comes in. It is going to, it's going to change everything. Oh man. Just think, just think about like a, 300 pound 50 year old guy in North Dakota gambling 
on the fives match and MLP and then the split step being called. Imagine that guy's reaction when the split step gets called in MLP. He has money on the fives and he is, you know, eating Cheetos in his underwear in North Dakota. That's what that's what we need. That's what we need. I feel like you're talking about yourself, Adam. <laughs> yes. And, and, yes. And, uh, I have had a, a stretch of heavy gambling in my in my career in my life about ten years ago. So I have heavy, eaten heavy Cheeto consumption too. <laughs> yeah, I have eaten Cheetos naked in my bed before. So you know that's just that's just good good clean living. That's what that is. That is. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I was gambling on everything that I could. Uh, probably shouldn't be saying this, but I was, I was <laughs> like a year and a half ago, and I can tell you. 100%. If there's anything I would bet on, it would be the fact that it is way, way better if we were betting on Major League Pickleball than if we were betting on, like, you know, the semifinal or the quarterfinals of, of men's doubles and, like, you know, Wright and Newman are a massive favorite. It's not even on live stream. You bet on it, you can't even watch the live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not even close. So Agreed. Okay. All right, fellas, I've, I've enjoyed this very much. We're creeping up on the hour mark. So I'm going to give, uh, normally James, what we do when we start closing out one of our interviews and one of our guest appearances, we kind of open the floor to have them thank uh, a lot of the people that have made it possible for them along their pickleball journey. Well, you know what? We're not going to do that with you, James. What we're going to do, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to open the floor to you to discuss your pal Christian Alshon, who uh, famously had a, a little Twitter comment about how he's going to have a PPA title well before you, more talented, better at singles, the whole shebang. Tell us a little bit about that comment uh, from Christian Alshon and about how you beat him to that PPA title this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because I hate to have done it, you know, with such a large disparity between when I got it and when he's going to get his, mm, because mm -hmm. that might be bad for the rivalry. You know, it'd be better if it was maybe I get it in like six months. There's no rivalry, just to chime in. <laughs> rivalry means that it's competitive. It's not. Yes, competitive. That's true. Hey, well, he, he did get a PPA title though, a fifth place PPA title. Got a title. You got a fifth yeah. place. He got a fifth place title. So that's, I guess that's something, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, if, if you guys were there, I think, I think Christian and Rafa might've wanted that fifth place more than I wanted my championship Sunday. <laughs> I believe it. I believe yeah, everybody, everybody in those, in those fifth place backdrops, mostly everybody is kind of sleepwalking through it. And then you look to your right and Christian Alshon and, and Rafa Hewitt are screaming after like a, <laughs> a Rafa missed third. You know, it's, uh, yeah. So, sounds right. It's like, well, no, I mean, just like a random, random, like it's not, it's, uh, anyways. So I'm glad that I got one, but not two PPA titles before Christian. Um, I just hope he gets one because it's, it makes me look better that I'm even entertaining the guy, you know, like I'm, like, I'm not even responding to him. It's, it's starting to make me look bad. Just the real question is how many, how many PPA titles will you have before he gets one? I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, We'll never, we'll never know because it's, he's never going to get one. <laughs> I mean, I could be 40 and it'll be like, well, I could get another one. I could get also. <laughs> well, on that, on that point of the, the fifth place title, 
what is, cause this, this is a new format for the PPA, right? Like if you lose before the semis, the best you can finish is fifth place. If you get to the semis, you're guaranteed at least a fourth place finish. What's your take on this new format change? I like it. I think it's, I think the, the fifth place backdraw is it's, it's not always the most competitive thing, but I think it's necessary too, because if you lose first round or second round, you might want that. You don't want to be going home after one match. So I think it's good. And I think that it's good to know that when you get to the semis, you're going to get at least fourth. Um, I think it's better because, you know, when I got bronze with Steve, we lost second round and I think we played like eight matches and it's just, it's just not good, especially for singles. I think, I think for singles, it's almost necessary. But on your point earlier of, having, you know, having the draw being a little off with the seedings, right? To where Fed and J-Dub are playing in the quarters. It really makes the draw have, like it makes, the seedings are very important. So do you feel like the seedings are accurate enough to where this justifies what it is? Because again, you got Fed, J-Dub and, you know, Fed's playing, Fed lost that, right? So he's playing for fifth place now, which, you know, we're talking arguably top three, not even arguably top three singles player in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think he's top two. And yeah. like, the worst part of well, the thing is, like, I think right now it's going to be an issue, the seeding, because obviously it matters so much. But six months down the road, I think it'll all start to equalize. And I think it's going to be, it'll work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's in the same place now. So it, it was it, the, the PPA rankings were net, uh, seedings were never going to be proper last year with with not everyone in the same place everyone's in the same place now they're not correct in this moment but as james said they will they will get kind of smoothed out uh, but yeah jw johnson as the number eight seed in singles is, is obviously pretty pretty out not everybody's in the same place though johnson yeah. twins. johnson twins yeah jo- johnson twins oh that's true that's true yeah they're in the future yeah. I mean, they're very, uh, they're very legitimate singles. I will say they're very, le- very yeah. legitimate singles players. Jeez. They're very legitimate singles players. They're the future. <laughs> they're, they're the future of something. Let's go. This is see. This is good. This is what we need. They're, they're the future of something. That's 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 what a statement. What a statement. I don't know. They're the future of something. They've got a future. I don't know if it's in pickleball. Right. Fair. Fair. They've fair. got. They've got potential. Yeah, they got potential. Yeah, they got potential. Oh, that's, that's just good. That's okay, good. so uh, we hit the hour mark. Okay, we you you lit up uh, Alshon beautifully. It's exactly what I expected out of you when I when I gave you the floor. Is there anyone else that you would like to light up light up before we 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 sign off here, James? I feel bad. I mean, speaking of people that are not in the PPA, I mean Paris. I uh, I played rec with you know this actually is a it's an interesting concept. It's like, if you're always playing APPs and you're not playing PPAs, are you going to get better as at the same, it could be a problem for your development, especially somebody like Paris. It's only been playing for a year or so. Um, me and Anna played rec against Paris and Dylan. I mean, this is just mean at this point, but I, I don't care. So, so me and Anna played rec against Dylan and Paris yesterday and it was so not close. Uh, Paris was just, I mean, I think I bagged, I bagged Paris so many times and I didn't even mean to, like, I felt bad. It was almost like, ah, should I speed it up at the body? I'm going to hit her again. It's going to look bad. And I did it. I did it again and again and I'm jamming her. And, and <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, I felt bad for Dylan. I mean, Dylan's out there trying his best and Paris is just, 
having nightmares on the court. And, and the bottom line is me and Anna won like, you know, maybe five times straight. And, and then Paris hits us with the whole, like, you guys want to switch up teams? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, no. no. She hits, she hits us with, no, no, no. I'm good on that one. I don't, I don't practice mixed too often, but when I do, I want to play against Paris. But when and, I do, it's men's. That's true. <laughs> often, but when I do, it's men's. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, Adam. And I, uh, so I don't know. I mean, it was, it was almost comical. And I, I, it made me think, like, maybe – maybe the players, you know, the sort of top players, you know, the Johnson twin, just kidding. The, uh, you know, the top <laughs> players like, that are playing the APPs, not playing the PPAs. It's, it's not good for their development. There's a real argument for that. No, I, I, I agree. I feel like that. And that's what I enjoyed about playing Minnesota is like, I want to play, I want to play the best players. It's, I feel like it's super important to see, to, to do, to do it. You know, I've obviously been around a longer time than the Johnsons or Paris, but um, I, I totally agree. I feel like if you're not seeing that, you're not going to get better. And that was kind of, um, yeah. you know, that's what I felt about last year too, with all the guys in the APP. So now the fact that I think, you know, a lot of those guys moved to the PPA, they're going to develop more, you know, they're going to get better faster. It's, it's, it's a real thing. It's a good it's point. Like, it's like 10 X to yeah. practice, to, to like a tournament with a stacked field even if you don't like have a great run, you just have like two or three or four really high level matches. It's literally like 10 X the improvement or what it does for your game, as opposed to practicing or, you know, maybe playing a local or weaker tournament in the first couple rounds. There, there's plenty of talented players in the APP, but it's definitely different. It's a little more raw, less structured, different patterns, different situations than you get when you're playing those top 15, top 20 type players. So Completely agree. Different situation. Uh, and, and it definitely is a, a little detrimental when you're not playing against the best as as you, you can't. Whatever it is, video games, sports, uh, whatever, uh, uh, academics, talk to the best, play with the best. That's how you get better. There's just no other way around it. So wise. All done? right, boys. Done. I think I think we're done. Thanks, uh, Big Papa Jimmy. You did great, Jimmy. Great co-host episode. Say say hello to your special friend for us. And uh, I'll be commentating the Holly Hill PPA. So I'll see you before MLP. And I'll have some, I'll have some nice words uh, to say about you on the mic, of course, as I did at MLP. And I believe I mentioned something about you getting hit in the chest and receiving a third nipple. So let's hopefully, hopefully I don't have to repeat that line because uh, I don't think you're going to get hit this next tournament. Right, James? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. I think you're better than some. I'm coming, to, I'm coming to Daytona. Be careful, James. Better watch out. Oh, no. Nobody hits it harder than me. Nobody. I was hoping that mom didn't, didn't get Colin in the, uh, in the hat off a neck cord or something. Oh, it's over. Yeah, yeah. Your, your day would have been over at that point. Done. I know that for sure. <laughs> All okay. right. Thanks. I'll, thanks, boys. Yeah, All always right. a pleasure. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. See you guys. Later. Later. Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. Yeah.